Welcome to the Living Clean Podcast. I'm your co-host Mason S. With me as always is Travis K. This podcast is not meant to replace meeting, sponsorship, step work, or service. This is meant to be just another tool in your recovery toolbox. Our guests are here to share their experience, strength, and hope with recovery through Narcotics Anonymous. Thank you for joining us. All right, welcome back to the Living Clean Podcast. This is episode two of our 12-week series, breaking down each of the steps. We had Peter E.M. last week breaking down step one. Uh, this week, we're going to move to step Guess two. Guess what? To step two. Can you believe it? Oh, but before we do that, my name's Mason S., and I'm an addict, and with me, as always, is my co-host, OTK. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're excited, man. I think this is number 15 already. Can you believe it? 15. I didn't realize you could count that high. I couldn't. I couldn't. I've missed it for the last two weeks, and you had to correct me. This week, our very special guest is Miss Kayla C. Kayla, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Never better. That's good to hear. You want to start with your clean date and you want to give your home group a shout out? Well, I'm Kayla and I'm an addict. My clean date is March 18th of 2020. My home group is newcomers here in Homewall, Tennessee. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, you. Yeah. Oh, that's your line. My bad, buddy. That's You can have that. That's copyright infringement. My bad. Um... Well, Kayla, before we get started talking about step two, we'd like to get to know you a little bit. Um, So why don't you walk us through what brought you into Narcotics Anonymous, how you found the fellowship, and just um, take us through the beginning for you. All right. Well, I'm Kayla. I'm still an addict. I think like everybody else, pure defeat got me here. You know, I was brought completely to my ass. Um, Narcotics Anonymous was the last door or the last house on the block for me. I had tried every other thing, every other option. I tried, you know, um, this way, that way, their way, my way, everybody's way, but the recovery way. And, um, you know, I was the addict that thought my addiction didn't bother nobody or affect nobody but me. And it turns out that my defeat played a big part of, you know, my kids, my kids were brought into the picture and I ended up getting them taken away like a lot of other women in recovery. And, um, it affected me and it brought me to my knees wanting to die, but being too scared to do it myself. So after that happened, I just decided, all right, let's try this narcotics anonymous, like everybody was talking about. And one day led to another, another day led to another. And now here we are. So how did you first hear about NA? Um, I originally heard from it through the other fellowship. I went to the other fellowship and somebody there was also involved in Narcotics Anonymous and they informed me that I was at the wrong meeting. So they brought me to the right one. And in fact, they were right. So welcome home. Get you drug addict ass over across town where you belong. Oh, well, that's how it was. That's exactly (laughs) how it was. Oh, well, um, 
So let's talk about, you know, the struggles of early recovery, the ups and downs, and some of the challenges that you faced. Well, in every early recovery, I wanted instant gratification. I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it. And I thought because I got clean, I needed it right then or I deserved it right then. And I struggled early on because I didn't get to see my kids. I didn't get to see them at all in my first couple of months clean. And then when I did get to see them, it was supervised and I wasn't okay with that. And um, that was my biggest struggle. And then after things started to slowly smooth out with that, I got into a relationship and we were in two different states and I struggled with that. So those were my two biggest ones. And then when I first got clean, um, there wasn't really in-person meetings. So I had to do a lot of Zoom meetings and that was really hard. It was hard for me to connect with people that I could see through the phone. And then when I when we were, were able to have in-person meetings, I struggled with going because I was so comfortable hiding behind a phone. Yeah, so you got clean right in the middle of the pandemic, right? 2020. I did. <clears throat> yeah, that, you know, a lot of people uh, that were here before us, they really don't know the struggle that that was. But I say struggle, but a lot of people have never experienced recovery without being behind the phone. It's an interesting time that we live in, that's for sure. Yeah, well, I'm I think it's a really good thing that we're able to have both. Mm -hmm. I remember one addict on here said that everybody was talking about what a uh, crisis the pandemic was. And he said, really, it was a blessing to me. Uh, got himself out the box and met people in different countries and actually had the opportunity to go over there and see them. I think it was a blessing for me, too, because I had tried NA several times and I just couldn't get gut honest or I couldn't become willing to go in and get out of my little shell and being on Zoom and being able to hide behind a phone, I guess you could say, made it easier for me to open up. Okay, so let's talk about some of the progress that you've made since you've been in NA. You talked about some of the struggles. What do those uh, look like today? Well, as of today, I have my kids back full throttle. Um, the relationship I talked about, we now live together. We have a house together. Um, we actually are getting ready to sign papers for him and I to share custody of the two kids that, one, don't belong to him, and two, that we're learning to raise together. And without Narcotics Anonymous, neither one of us would be able to sit here and be able to do it. So I think that's my biggest you know, gift of recovery, not only just getting my kids back, but being able to be present in their life, be able to set boundaries with them, even on hard days. I think, you know, another gift is just the relationships and recovery themselves, relationships with women, because in early recovery, that was very scary. I was very intimidated by women, especially strong women. And today my, you know, network is worldwide and most of them are women and I could reach out to them with no judgment and I can feel completely comfortable talking to them and vice versa. So I'm really grateful for that and to have that. Yeah, I, I can imagine that the journey was tough, but I'm sure now that you're on the other side of it that you're extremely grateful and learned a lot from that journey. I'm actually extremely grateful the journey was as hard as it was because anything easy for me, I get bored with. And then when I get bored with something, I want to change the way I feel because I'm bored. So 
for it to be as hard as it was, it's truly been a blessing in my life. It's been a blessing for me to be able to grow with my kids, to grow with people in recovery and to allow myself the time to heal from everything that I needed to heal from in order to be right here, right now where I am. Well, that leads us right into what we're talking about, actually. It absolutely will. It absolutely will. But before we get there, you know, congratulations on sticking it out, you know, and that I think that's that's what's important about your story is, you know, if people can find a way to stick in there and hang in there. And sometimes a year or six months can feel like absolutely forever. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not a whole lot of time. It just feels like a lot when you're going through it. Would you agree? Well, of course I would agree because, you know, in early recovery, a week feels like eternity. And it feels like the process is moving so slow, like you're stuck in quicksand and like you're going nowhere. But, you know, being here right now, looking back, it feels like it just flew by. Mm. I mean, what was it, what was it like realizing that I, I'm not going to be able to use and be successful? Like, how was that hard for you to swallow or? Um, this go around. Absolutely not. Because I was, I was to the point where I was done. It wasn't, it wasn't working. And at this point it was no longer just the drugs that were affecting me. It was the fact that I felt like I was absolutely un. I was just to the point I was so broken. I couldn't be fixed. I felt like I had come in and I had ripped out my kid's heart. I had, you know, destroyed everybody that was ever close to me and I felt all alone and I felt like I couldn't escape my own thoughts even when I wasn't getting high the last couple of days yeah absolutely so you had what we like to call the sufficient enough ass whooping that that's what we can call it absolutely yeah hey Travis so while you got your book out why don't you read the step two for us Okay, step two says, we came to believe in a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. All right. So first thing, let's talk about this power greater than ourselves. Is that a concept that you struggled with or was that something that you'd already known before you ever got here? It was something that I was very hopeful of. But I struggled with having a concept of it because in my mind, all I could picture was this religious God that, um, you know, was would damn me if I did this or I did that. Like my visions of a power greater than myself was all these religious people that had told me I, I was unworthy. You know, they justified all the negative feelings that I had for myself because I wasn't the ideal picture of who they expected me to be. So I struggled with having my own concept of it because I thought that was a no, no, like, it, you know, they were right. I was wrong top deal. Yeah. So did you hear something in the rooms that, that helped you with that? Letting go of some of those old beliefs about a higher power. I'm sure I did, but nothing really stuck in my brain because Early on, I had a hard time with retaining what I was told or what I heard. But what I did 
in fact, hold on to was watching people grow and not get high. I watched people get their life back together. I watched people get their kids back. I watched people get good jobs. I watched people go through hard things that to me looked impossible to go through, but they were able to get to the other side without using drugs. And I know for me, an addict like me, that wouldn't have happened without something greater you know, allowing that to take place. So watching them allowed me to know that it could happen for me too, which, you know, opened the door for willingness to accept, hey, I'm not in control no more because that was the main thing for me. I needed validation that I was in control of my life. And to let that go was such a relief because I didn't have to fight alone. Hard days, bad days, good days, indifferent days. And that was just a relief. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you said it like that, too, because, you know, step two really doesn't have anything other than mentioning that I believe this higher power can restore me to sanity. It doesn't say anything about putting your thumb on exactly what that is. You know, so you mentioned seeing other people get better gave you hope and being around those people gave you hope. You know, yeah. And when I was able to accept that maybe I didn't have to know what who or why that, you know, this higher power was helping me or could help me. It was the knowing that they were going to help me, that they were going to be there when I was, you know, able to say, Hey, I need you. Yeah. It's really a beautiful concept. If you think about it, it really is. It really is. So let's talk about another word that's in that step. Insanity. So it's all over it, actually. It's all over it. Let's beat the death out of the obvious. What does insanity look like to you? I mean, we can be cliche and say it's doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. I think, you know, it's a solid given of how I did that. I've mentioned it several times about my kids. To me, my kids are my biggest, you know, reason I got brought to my knees. And um, even when I lost them, that's when I knew, all right, this is something I can't beat myself because I continued to get high for a whole year after I lost them. And I couldn't get it right. I couldn't stop no matter what. And my life became unmanageable, not unmanageable to the part where I became homeless or lost a job because I kept all that. I maintained a job. I maintained a nice house. I maintained having the nice cars. But how I maintained that, was unmoral for me. I was doing things that I would have never done or that I looked at other women in recovery when I was going loaded and I'd be like, I'd never do that. Well, I became that person and then more. Yeah. What a perfect example of, of insanity, right? Like the worst thing that could happen to you happened to you and then you continue to use that's, that's like the perfect example of what insanity is. You know, and that's, unfortunately, it takes an addict being drove to that and for us to get to that point to where we want to surrender. But that's also the things that the outside world looks at us and they're like, why don't you just stop? Like, why don't you just quit? You know, they cannot comprehend. Like, you mean you lost your kids and you continue to use? Well, you say that to an addict and they're like, hell yeah, you continue to use. How else was you going to deal with it? You know? If that makes any sense. Yeah, it's the only way we know how to deal with anything. Yeah. But yep. since we was on the insanity thing, you know, where it talks about 
the heart attack. May I have a heart attack or a fatal accident? If you think this is an insane thing, you know, I think it says, uh, if you would agree that this is insanity, uh, you shouldn't have any problem with this step. Yeah. And I, I remember reading that and I was like, this should be pretty easy. You'd think it'd be easy, but sometimes these, these steps is, you know, we make them harder than they actually are. So let's talk yeah. about the, the hard part of step two and let's, let's personalize it to your situation. Um, so the insanity was despite your negative consequences, like losing your kids and you continued to use now, I'm sure it was hopeful coming into the rooms and seeing other women who had lost their kids, getting their kids back. But as you know, as well as I do, it's not always on the same time frame. So what was the struggle like with that? Seeing somebody, some get their kids back faster than others. Cause you were just sharing. You're just now in the process of getting them back, getting full custody back. So how, how was that? dealing with that what was the struggle behind that well that was one of my that was and sometimes continues to still be one of my biggest struggles is you know I can get in my own mind and think well why wasn't I good enough or what was I not doing and maybe I don't deserve them because I would watch women come in and get six months clean and get their kids back. I would watch women come in and do a few things that I had already done two years ago and get their kids back. I would watch women come in, still, you know, cheat the system, getting high, but getting their card signed and get their kids back. It was all these things that I saw, that, you know, preventing me from getting my kids back or, you know, them getting their kids back. Like, why couldn't I get mine? And then when I had to finally realize, that it was a process and not an event and that God was, you know, using me as a tool and allowing me time to heal. Because at one point in, you know, when I was trying to get clean, I got my kids back and I got them back too soon and I ended up getting high and losing them again. And when I lost them the second time, it was way worse than I could have ever imagined. That's when I talked about, you know, I didn't get to see them at all. And, you know, it led me to where I am now, a whole process. And I think it's really opened my eyes to, you know, I'm grateful to it happened the way it did because I was able to set a foundation, not only for myself, but for them to bring them into. Like I have a whole network of people that are in recovery that are willing to help raise my kids with me, not for me, but with me because I was able to get where I needed to be in recovery and a network of people that I can trust and that's, you know, one of the gifts that I've received from it is the process. Yeah. And that's, that's such an awesome thing too. And, and, you know, somebody may be listening to this, who's going through that same struggle right now and just, you know, separating yourself as hard as it is to do from the situation that you got no control over and working on yourself so that when they do eventually come back, you got a place to go and, you can make sure that they never have to leave again. And I think the process of the steps is a perfect foundation to start, perfect place to start with all that. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So 
let's um let's talk about what does it look like you know you you went through that you applied this principle the second step i'm sure you know it, the principle one of the main principles is hope and trust do you think going through that has made future situations um i don't want to say not look as big but do you have hope that you can get through just about anything without getting high i mean i don't really think it's just hope it's you know a whole bunch of other things like i know i know for a fact that no matter what happens in my life happens to me that the solution would be to get high Yeah, no matter what. That's beautiful. What a beautiful thing to get to, you know. Um, there's no situation that we can't get through together. And, well, look, we don't get there overnight. Sometimes it feels like, you know, I should read this and I should do the step work and I should be there, but it doesn't happen overnight. But if you stick with it, like Miss Kayla has, you can get to there. You can get to the point to where you truly believe in your heart of hearts that there's nothing you can't get through without using. And that transition is on to the next step. But, yeah, what a beautiful process. I think it's a process. beautiful thing. I think it's a beautiful thing that now when I, you know, I become dramatic and what I think is life altering, something happens in my life. My first thought isn't to go get high or to run. My first thought is usually... I need to call somebody and I would have never got to a place with my thinking on my own or without narcotics anonymous or without working the steps and applying the steps. So I think that alone is beautiful. Well, we was talking about the process and one thing that I remember, uh, in early recovery, when you start to meet some people with, you know, significant amount of clean time, you know, it's like, man, I want 10 years tomorrow. Mm -hmm. you know and that's that's one of the biggest things it's like man this is a journey it's not a destination a little aerosmith for you there yeah well the basic the basic the basic text warns us about that um it it tells us about skipping over this i don't know it word for word like i should but it, it, concern yeah it says if we pass by this with minimum concern we're doing ourselves a great injustice something along those lines um and that's perfect to what you were talking about i want 10 years now but if i'm going to sustain the 10 years it's the journey that i go through that's gonna you know give me the tools that i need and um yeah i just I love these first three steps and the foundation that you can build your life on. Yeah. The coming, the coming to, and the coming to believe. Yeah. It's, it's all a process with that, that step that it's talking about. Yeah. Well, Caleb, before we get off here, why don't, uh, you tell that, well, I don't want to tell you what to do, but I suggest it. Yeah. What would you be willing to, uh, share to that person out there that's struggling, you know, maybe that young lady that's going through a custody battle or, <clears throat> you know, maybe, maybe just anybody who's going through a really difficult time and 
or somebody that surrendered to the first step, but they're having a really hard time thinking about living life without the use of drugs anymore. What is your message to them? Well, I think the main thing is the main thing, which is don't give up no matter what. You know, if you're feeling like you can't do this without changing the way you feel or reverting back, call somebody first. Like if that person don't pick up, reach out again. You know, we discussed it earlier about Zoom meetings. Like there's a Zoom meeting at every hour of every day, no matter where you are, get on there. If you're not comfortable sharing, you know, in an in-person meeting, get on a Zoom meeting where you don't know about, know, know nobody and get on there and dump it out there. But the biggest advice that I ever got while I was struggling the most with all my situations was no matter what happens in life and no matter what I'm going through, can't nobody take away what is in store for me. Not no judge, not no lawyer, not no other person, whatever God has for me, can't nobody take away no matter how I feel, no matter how defeated I feel. If I don't give up, no matter what, I'm going to get to the other side of it. Well, I would agree completely. Kayla, you have been a fantastic guest. We've enjoyed having you. Knocked it out of the park. Knocked it out of the park. I do and, what I can. Uh, yeah. You done fantastic. Appreciate. Um, so this completes the second phase of the 12 step process that we're going through. So next week we'll have Miss Heather on here who is going to share about the third step and we'll keep rolling on and we want to thank our guest, Kayla, and thank all y'all for listening. And even if your ass falls off, don't get high. Pick it up and take it to a meeting, and Travis will teach you how to reattach it. All right, see y'all next week. Thank you for joining us on our Living Clean podcast. This is another platform that we can share our message of recovery, which is an addict, any addict, can stop using drugs, lose a desire to use, and find a new way to live join that no matter what club you can contact us through text the number is 931-306-9364